Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Today's a special day. Um, so excited to be preaching this morning. A couple weeks ago, I was telling one of my friends a couple weeks ago, I woke up and I was supposed to preach that following Sunday and I was like, I'm not preaching. I was very angry with God. I'm like, I have nothing to say. I am not gonna preach. And so I didn't. And I was like, oh wow, because I know it's because God wanted me to preach the word that, it, that he gave me for today. And it was such a stark difference in the way that God spoke to me. It flowed. I know this is a word for so many people in this place. And we're in the Truth Bomb series. Truth Bomb series. So we're gonna drop some bombs today. Biblical answers to burning questions. Yeah, it's gonna be good. First, I wanna just, uh, God spoke to me about a couple people in this section. I don't know what it is about this section. I think the 9 a.m. got this section too, but you wore a prophecy shirt. I'm not sure if you realized it because it's bright and colorful. You, sir, in the green, yellow, and pink. Yeah, I mean, I'm like, I'm gonna prophesy with the person with the brightest shirt in the room, and you win, so good job. I just, honestly, like during worship, God told me to tell you that he loves you. God loves you, he sees you, he's doing good things in your life, even though you may not see it with your natural eye, that God is for you and he loves you and he's doing amazing. My son likes to do that. This is my son's favorite thing. And then Joe and Jamie Roberts, like you're so easy on the eyes. It's a little bit frightening, it's a little bit intimidating, but you guys are amazing. And I, God was really showing me, you're called for ministry. Like, just say it like it is. I don't wanna sugarcoat it. But what you're doing now in this season is preparing for you for ministry that he has, but it's already ministry. It's already ministry. You're already ministering to people through what he's called you to build right now. But it, that is not the culmination of what God's called you to. It's part of it. It's part of the design and the plan and the purposes for you but you guys are called to make a big influence for God's kingdom through business and through building the kingdom, building the church. And that means in the way of ministry. So I just wanted to encourage you. I don't know if that is encouraging to you or annoying to you, but hey, sometimes God is encouraging and annoying all at the same time. We are, already got some religious spirits out of the room. <laughs> um, I have a few moments like that in my message too, so I hope you can put your seatbelt on and fasten it tightly, because if you're easily offendable, I don't know what to say. Sorry in advance, maybe. You guys can all be seated. We're gonna have some fun today. Rule number one, love Jesus. Rule number two, have fun. I just wanted to um, ask you all a favor. And I was watching in the first service, I was watching the promotion for the Academy, watching my own face up there, which is always awkward. But um, God actually showed me, because we are going so boldly into the area of education, it is, that is the devil's playground. At the, this state of the world that it's in, the devil's playground is really in taking the next generation and influencing them in the wrong way. And we are poking 
poking the devil's playground. We're poking the devil. And I have to tell you that we, we birthed the academy in a time of need. Oh, precious baby, it's going to be okay. <laughs> um, we're, we're doing it for you, all for you. Um, we opened the academy in 2020 in answer to a need that was there. Quickly realized we needed to make something so that people had a place to bring their kids to school and learn from a Christian education. And we made it more and more awesome over the couple of years that we've had it, but recently just faced really spiritual warfare, if I can sum it all up. And God really showed me during worship, during the first service, to ask our church to be praying, to be praying because we're taking an area that the devil would love to keep in his own hands and keep in his territory, but it's our territory. It's God's territory, and we will take it over. But it's not going to come easy. It's going to come with fighting. It's going to come with prayer. It's going to come with passionate people who know how to pray and who know, know how to fight the devil. And Awakened Church knows how to fight the devil's plan. So please pray for the academy as we grow and as we shift and as we become even better and have more of an influence on in our city. Amen? Amen? All right. So in the Truth Bomb series, you know, I really was thinking, I'm like, how do you bring the truth around questions that are very hard? And there was a woman in the first service, she's a young woman, and she just lost her husband to cancer. And I was really humbled, like in this past week, and we also prayed for this man to be healed, and he didn't get healed, and he passed away. And it is a very sobering moment when we're in this kind of series, well, God, like why? What is going on? And we all face moments like that in our lives. We all face times where we don't understand what God is doing, and we have questions, Sometimes we encounter people in this life and we have questions. Sometimes they just go, oh my gosh, I have so many questions. However, we must always continue to trust God, trust his timing, trust what he's doing, and default, that de our default should be to trust God. When times are hard, when times are difficult, when we have a lot of questions, our default needs to be trusting God. And in my own life, I was, I was like, you know, the word of God is, is amazing. The word of God has all the answers that you need. It has the answers. But I have to tell you, if you don't experience God and you only read the word of God, you have a very limited understanding of who God is and what he can do. So I asked God, if I'm going to preach something that is a question that has been a continual question in my life, it would be this. What is the perfect timing of God? What is the perfect timing of God? And I've seen this theme in my life and anything that I actually, that is me now, any, anything about me now that I have or that God's done has come on the other side of a waiting time, has come on the other side of waiting on God's perfect timing. So I'm like, if I'm gonna preach truth bombs, I wanted to share my experience with God because the best way to get to know God other than reading the word of God is experience God. And I encourage you in this place, you, if you are not experiencing God, you don't feel his presence, you don't feel his guidance, you're in the right church. We are going to push you to the point where you have no option but to experience God. And it's only because I've been able to experience God and get to know his character why I can stand here and share with you today on this truth. So let's be honest. I mean, we're, we're in church. We need to be honest. Is there anyone in this place that enjoys a waiting room? A waiting room. Hmm. Please, nobody raise your hand. I mean, think about the DMV, for example. Like, oh my gosh, if you have to go to the DMV, bless your heart. 
it takes me so much prayer, procrastination, and like to the very last minute if I have to go. I'm like, I'm probably, God wanted to teach me about his perfect timing because he wanted me to learn patience. Because I would say that I have becoming a more patient person. But waiting, waiting. You tell me to wait on something? The worst version of myself comes out. I'm like, but I had an appointment. It was at 3.20. It's 3.25. What is happening? I have somewhere to go and places to be and people to talk to. So waiting rooms are literally my, my most hated place. And most of them are disgusting. I mean, not at True Chiropractic because we made an awesome waiting room, babe, because I don't like waiting rooms, so we needed to make it awesome and fun. But if you have to go to a waiting room, it's like, okay, first of all, if you're a person who doesn't like waiting, and then you have to go to a room that's designated for waiting, right? right? Like, oh my goodness. So I take, it, I take my Maverick to the doctor a couple of weeks ago against my husband's will. I literally told him, I'm like, this ingrown toenail is getting worse. I don't know what to do. You're a chiropractor. I don't know if you know how to fix ingrown toenails. I'm taking him to a doctor. And that is like cussing in my household. Like literally... I'm going to the doctor is like bad. Like I said the worst thing I could have chosen to say to my husband, who is a doctor. But then I had to go to a waiting room. So I go in, I check in, I check my Maverick in with this ingrown toenail. And the lady goes, I mean, this is 2022 people. Like this was last week. She said, do you have a mask? And I'm like, what? I, I, was, I don't wear masks. No, I'm not, I don't have a mask. That was so two years ago. And she's like, well, ma'am, in the waiting room, you was, must wear a mask. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And she's like, but when you go to see the doctor, you don't have to wear it. And I'm like, I'm so confused. What's the difference on that side of the wall? And this side of the I'm like, I have questions. So we chose to wait outside of the waiting room. And I was reminded how much I do not like waiting. Anyone here like waiting? There's one person up there that likes waiting. It's probably because you're way more mature than the rest of us. And you know about the goodness of God and what happens when you're patient and you wait on him. Good job. <laughs> so many times in my life, I found myself in God's waiting room. Anyone else here found yourself in God's waiting room? Yes. I know, I know, I know. Truth bomb number one is this. Because what I have discovered as we're praying for something, as we're going after something, as we're believing something, as we're in God's waiting room, it's oftentimes not the miracle that God wants to get to us. It's the process of transformation that is the miracle that he wants to get to us. And that waiting room time is so important and it's so important how we handle it. What do we do in the time of waiting? How do we act? How do we respond? How do we lean into God? How do we see God? How do we see our Father in heaven? Does our perception of God change just because he's having us wait? No, you signed up to go see that doctor because somebody said that he had an answer. You're sitting in the waiting room. Do you sit there and wonder if the doctor knows what he's doing because he's making you wait? No. But how oftentimes do we do that with God? We're sitting there waiting in his waiting room, and all of a sudden, we're like, God, maybe you don't want to do that. Oh, my gosh, maybe you don't care. Maybe I didn't hear you right. No, you're in God's waiting room for a reason, and we can trust God in those times. So I want to dive into that a little bit today, starting 
in John 5, John 5, 1 to 8, we're going to read a story of a man who waited and what he did, and we're not going to follow what he did. A man healed, John 5, 1 through 8. After this, there, are we on the right words, right scripture? Yes, okay, good. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, 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 <laughs> Bethesda, I could say it. And also, by the way, if I had to wait on God, I'd also be by a pool. So he, he was sort of smart. It was called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, ingrown toenails, fevers, norovirus, waiting for the moving of the water. And here are all these people that are sitting in God's waiting room. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. So here we see God calls one person at a time at a certain time, and they can get in the pool and they get their appointment for healing. Now, a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. Long time. The Bible says that's a long time. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, 38 years is a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? So here he is waiting, waiting, waiting. And then Jesus asked him a question. Jesus shows up, asks a question. How many times in our life were we waiting on God? He shows up and he asks a question. The sick man <laughs> answered him, sir, I have no man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, another steps down before me. Wah, wah, wah. Jesus says, here I am. Do you want to be healed? You've been waiting all this time. I'm here for you. And the guy, victim, complacent, I don't, I don't know. Every time I go to get healed, someone goes in front of me. Oh my gosh, if I was Jesus, I'd be slopping. But I'm not, thank God. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. Jesus in all his awesomeness ignores the guy's victim mentality, ignores his response and says, get up, get up, take up your mess, pick up your mess that you've created, your bed and you got all comfortable in your situation and you probably got a good tan, you probably all your friends are there. You've seen all these people get, no, stop it with the question and the excuse and get up, take up your mess and be healed. And he took up his bed and he walked, he walked away. Truth bomb. Stop expecting someone to do something for you that you can do yourself. Amen? The man had to get up, take self-responsibility. If we're in the waiting room of God and God comes ask you a question, are you wanting to, for this to happen? Sometimes you're going to have to act. And most of the time you're going to have to act. You're going to have to get up, clean up the mess that you made, fix some mentalities, and move forward. The title of this message today is A Certain Time, A Certain Time. So I have an answer to the question based off of this story, a certain time. When is the perfect timing of God? A certain time. It's a certain time. 
Let me tell you the definition of certain. It's define, definite, fixed, sure to come or happen, inevitable, established beyond doubt or question. It's indisputable. There is a time. There is a time that is ordained and anointed by God for that thing you've been praying for, for that thing you've been believing for, for that marriage that you want, for that baby that you've been so desperate for. There is a certain time. There's a certain time. Micah 7, 7 says this, but as for me, I watch in hope for the Lord. I wait for God, my Savior. My God will hear me. Some of us just need to declare this over our lives. I watch in hope for the Lord. I wait for, my, for God, my Savior. My God will hear me, will hear me. If you don't know what prayers to pray, these find the word of God. Get the word of God and declare it over your life. If you're so frustrated, all you know how to do is complain. Stop it. Find the word of God and start declaring it over your life. We, we tried five years to get pregnant, five years, desperate, tears, all the stuff. So, so one of the most treacherous times of my life. And I grew up in, in a good home, but not a Christian home. I wasn't taught the word of God. And when it came to facing this battle, this was a whole new ballgame for me because most things in my life I made happen for myself. I'm a smart girl. I can get what I want. I can get done. If I applied myself and I was diligent, I got it done and things happened for me. But when it came to this, that wasn't working. When it came to getting pregnant, I did not know what to do. And all I could do was go to God. All I could do was extend my faith for five years, doing all the things that I knew how to do, but also mainly learning how to trust God. And finally, we had a miracle baby five years in and then two more after that. So praise God. And now I can teach all of you how to be patient. <laughs> the definition of wait, this is from the Merriam-Webster Dictionary of wait, not even the Bible, but it's so, it's so relevant. To stay in place in expectation of. Stay in place in expectation of. So if you're in the waiting room of God, we are to stay in expectation. This is a proactive thing. This isn't a passive sit around, wait around, like don't think about sitting around in the doctor's office finding a magazine to look at. We are actually engaging in God. We are praying. We are showing up to church. We are asking our friends to come in agreement with us. We are doing the things. We're serving on a team. If we're praying to get a job, if we're praying for divine friendships and relationships, we're sowing into those. We're sowing into the things and speaking the word of God over the situation, not just sitting there as a passive guy on a mat, who doesn't even recognize Jesus himself when he shows up. Amen? All right, so I made this really easy. I have four points today, and it's W-A-I-T. Wait. The first point is willing. Willing. Who here is willing? Good. I'm a room full of willing people. See, this is part of being proactive. When God shows up to answer our prayer or bring a revelation or speak to us or bring that healing, are we willing to receive it? Are we ready and willing, front foot forward, waiting and willing to receive what God has? See, when Jesus comes with an answer to the man on the mat, he asks a question back. Or he has an excuse back, I'm sorry. When Jesus comes with a question, he has an excuse. His answer isn't immediately yes. 
And I can tell you, this happened in my own life when my husband and I first started coming to our church. Pastor Jurgen and Leanne were like, you guys are going to be campus pastors someday. And I'm like, I had just recently gotten saved and all I wanted to do was ministry. All I wanted to do was be a pastor. It was like, like my whole world of dreams just came true. And I thought, okay, what do, okay, Pastor Jürgen what do I need to do over the next 30 days? Is there some books I need to read? Is there, like, some people you want me to pray for? Is there some opportunities you want me to have? Like, what did, what did this look like? And I couldn't be further from wrong about what ministry was. And 10 years later, 10 years later, was it when my husband and I became campus pastors? 10 years and God even told me at one point, like two years in, when I was getting angrier and angrier by the day, that I wasn't yet a campus pastor. This is so transparent. I'm sorry if anyone gets offended by this. Um, two years in, yelling at my husband, we're not in ministry because of you. You're too busy being a chiropractor. <laughs> and the Lord had to rebuke me so many times. My husband probably tried rebuking. I don't know if I listened. I just want to be in ministry and I just want to have babies and my life would be perfect. And now I have all those things and guess what? My life isn't perfect. <laughs> Sometimes it's more stressful. <laughs> and so I had to have a real rude awakening. Like, oh my gosh, you cannot just make everything happen in your own strength. I had to let God work a process, teach me patience, give me wisdom, teach me how to deal with people. Oh my gosh. So when the opportunity did come, so we became campus pastors 10 years after, but around year five or six, I was presented with the opportunity to become the kids' church pastor. And I'm like, I'm praying for ministry. Kids' church pastor? Come again? Lord, do you even know that I don't like kids? <laughs> so I'm like, what is this? God comes with an answer to my prayer. He comes with a breakthrough. He comes with an opportunity. And I'm like the man on the mat going, well, everyone else is going before me. Nah, they're getting raised up before me, so I don't have any opportunity, so I have to be the kid's pastor. Oh, my gosh, it's embarrassing, but it's true. So I called my husband. You wouldn't believe it, babe. They want me to be the kid's pastor. I'm like, campus pastor, they said, not kid's pastor. And he's like, yeah, you have to say yes. And I'm like, What? I do? And he's like, yes, you've been praying for this. I'm like, well, I had a plan and it didn't go, wasn't going to go like that. Like that is not what my plan was. And I was very unwilling until the Holy Spirit spoke to me and was like, you need to say yes. And my husband amended it. You need to say yes. And I did. And I'm telling you, it was some of the most transformational season of my life, learning how to lead, learning how to build teams, learning how to have love for kids that weren't my own. Like it was, it was what set me up to be able to do the things that I do today. But I was so stuck in my own plan that initially I was like, mm, I don't know. But thank God that I was able to get past that and say yes to something that was his plan and not my plan. So we just recently moved, well, not recently. It's been like a year and a half now. It feels so recent. We got our miracle home. 
And this process was like another one of those things. I'm like, God, why is everything that is awesome that I want to be awesome in my life, I have to wait for and wait on you and your timing and your plans? So this house we found in July of 2020, and we immediately felt God's hand on it, immediately felt like this was our home. But there was so much mess that attached to it that we had to navigate and do, do things to be able to make, make it so we could even have that house and qualify to buy that house. And I'm telling you, six months later, we closed six months later. Since when does it take six months to buy a house? I'm like, what is happening? Is it because it's 2020? I don't know. But another opportunity where we had to stand on God and be willing to let him do what he was going to do. And I'm telling you, there was days I was packing boxes and I was asking people to come help me. And I didn't even know if we were going to have somewhere to live because there came a point where they, we had to move out of our house, but we didn't have our new house. And I was like, well, hmm, God, I guess this is another time where we might just be homeless for a little, bo- little while, even though we had never been homeless before. But I was just wrapping my head around that. I'm like, oh my gosh. But it was in that season, that timing where another, like we had to stretch our faith. We had to stretch our faith. We had to wait on God. We had to re-ask God, what did you say? We had to be reminded, God, what did you say? When, the, when push comes, came to shove and it looked like we weren't gonna be able to get the house, we had to go back to God. Are we fighting this fight in our own strength or, or was this what you said was, was the God plan for our life? And we kept continually going back. We got a word from God. My husband got a word for God that this was our house. And so we did everything in our power because the Bible says that faith without works is dead. You can have all the faith in the world, but if you're unwilling to do something about it, you're not gonna get too far. If you're not willing to work hard, budget, save, so you can save for a down payment for a house, then I'm sorry, but God's miracle is going to be delayed until he can get that miracle to you, until he can get that perseverance drawn in you, until he can get those things worked out, then he can provide the miracle that you think is the miracle. He has another agenda. In the waiting room, let's remain willing and eager to recognize when God shows up to bring our answer and our miracle. Amen? Willing. Are these good truth bombs? Hopefully not too. Okay, so this, just fasten your seatbelt a little bit more. Especially you, Dr. Matt. Just want to make sure that Presbyterian spirit's not coming up. (laughs) The A is asking. Asking. What does your ask look like? See, when, when we have friends or people that ask us for advice and then they don't listen, do you want to know what they're called? They're called an asshole. So if you are literally asking your friends, people that love you for advice, you're asking your mentor, you're asking someone you look up to, you're asking somebody that already walked that path that you can just literally fall in the footsteps of, and then you don't, you're a flipping asshole. It irritates my husband and I so bad. Why did you waste our time asking us if you were going to do the opposite of what we said? And then to take it another layer deeper, front row, calm down. (sighs) To take it another layer deeper, how often do we do that with God? Some of us are so good at praying, but we are stinkers at listening. 
we're praying, 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 and God says, do this, and then we do something different because we didn't feel peace about it. What? Or they just use the God card. I'm moving, God said. Well, then let's not have a conversation then because you clearly don't care what anyone around you or cares about you thinks. And if you moved or you're moving, that's not against you. But please make sure that you are fully hearing from God and also the wisdom of the people around you. And so we have to get good at listening to God and hearing. When we pray and we're battling for something, sometimes let's stop and say, God, what do you have to say about this? God, are you in this? There were so many times when we were buying this house that, it w- that we were praying, 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 praying. And we literally had to stop and go, is this your will, God? Yes, it's your will. Pray, 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 pray. But stop sometimes. And if God gives you a stop sign, then stop. Even if you don't have peace about it, stop. Stop and ask God. Stop and ask people that care about you. We need to be asking God, asking the people around us. We need to be good askers. Let's not stop asking. And when we're asking, let's be really careful about not complaining. God, it's so hard. I don't even know what to do. Okay, you can have moments like that, but please just let it be a moment and not a season. We can have moments where we are weak and he is our strength, but God's not called us to stay in that place. And if I can tell you anything, when we were battling for five years to get pregnant and I was doing these long drives for IVF appointments, I would cry my eyes out. I would be so angry. It wasn't even tears of sadness. I would be angry with God. I would be like, why do I have to do this? I'm so mad. I have to do this. And it was in those moments where God is like, stay tuned to what I'm doing. Let this be a lesson. Let this teach you patience. Let this teach you to trust me. Let this teach you what is God saying to you? What is he trying to teach you? What is he trying to tell you? And follow that. Let's get off our lazy ask. Let's have a bold ask, a big ask. And then after we ask, we listen. Amen. I'm moving on from A. Too many opportunities to offend people if they aren't already. So move on to the I, which is intentional. Intentional. Just so you all know, there was a day that I wasn't saved. It was 18 years ago. So sometimes some of that little naughtiness creeps up. I'm, I'm sorry. Not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. Okay, so this part's intentional. The ancient Greek have determined two types of time. And one is called kairos and one is called chronos. And a lot of us are really good at chronological time. Like obviously this man knew he was by the pool for 38 years. How often are we like, wow, God, it's literally been 17 days, 47 seconds, uh, 12 minutes and 47 seconds since I asked you for that prayer. I asked you for that breakthrough and that miracle, and oh my gosh, two more seconds have gone by. What the heck? We are, some of us are way too good at this, and I want you to put up the screen of the two different types of time. And the types of time that we want to be leaning into is Kairos time. These are defining moments. They're unpredictable. They're judged not by its duration, but by its importance and value, and it's divine. 
And then chronos time is not bad or evil, but so many of us, especially if you're an A-type planner or driver like myself, we can get caught up in these measurable. It's helpful in planning, right? You need to be somewhere at this time. It's chronological and sequential, so we can lay out what's happened. But if we get stuck in that, if we get stuck there, we will miss these moments of what God is trying to do. And I'm telling you, I met my husband in the airport going to Las Vegas, and it was a Kairos moment. It was a Kairos moment. I was in the waiting room of the airport. Our flight was delayed. I had so much frustration. I wasn't saved yet. And I was getting more mad by the minute because I was late for Vegas, as if Vegas is going somewhere. <laughs> my friends were there having fun without me, so I was mad because I was late. And in walks Matt Hubbard and sits next to me and starts talking to me, Kairos moment, brings me to church, I get saved, Kairos moment. And the trajectory of my life changed forever. And in every single one of us has Kairos moments. But are we willing to see them or take opportunity of them? And if we get so stuck in planning our day by day, our time by time, our hour by hour, then we'll get stuck there. And I promise you, I'm guilty of it myself. I would literally yell at God about how long it's been since I've been trying to get pregnant and there's still no baby. Every month, the evil reminder of my cycle would come and I'd remind God how many months it had been that I had been trying and I would get farther and farther away from having a Kairos moment until I met a woman who helped guide me and help me another Kairos appointment to tell me where to go and what to do to help get pregnant. And it was a beautiful thing. And many of us need to have our eyes and our ears open to what God's doing in these divine moments. And I'm telling you, even today for some of you, coming to church is a Kairos moment. I'm gonna do an altar call at the end and your Kairos moment will be presented to you to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. And God told me that, that this part specifically, that there was people in this room, that today, this hour, and this time is Kairos for some of you here. Anything in my life that has the handprint of God has been because of a Kairos moment. The house we live in today that's our miracle home, someone sent it to us. And it literally, like we had never seen it. We had been shopping for houses for months and months. Another Kairos moment. But it's a, it becomes our ability to respond to those moments. Like the, the man on the mat didn't initially respond right to that Kairos moment after 38 years of Jesus showing up. And he has an excuse. Let's not be the people that look at when Jesus, God, comes to give you an answer, that we have a response of, yes, I'm here, I'm ready, I'm willing, I'm asking, and I'm intentional in noticing this Kairos moment. Amen? Amen. All right, the last one is this, trusting. Trusting God is no joke. <laughs> and in, in being full of faith, Trusting God is not for the faint at heart. I, I was thinking about it this week as I was preparing. I'm like, to be a Christian is a beautiful thing. But it doesn't mean your life works perfectly all the time. And I would say quite the contrary. I would say that, that we, our trust in God, our faith in God is like a muscle that's continually built over time. But that it's actually something we have to fight for. We have to wake up every day and choose 
to trust God, even when our circumstances don't look like we want to and we don't feel like we want to. We'd rather cry and sit in our house and complain and call our friend or go to the hairdresser and complain for three hours. It's so much easier. Sometimes it's so much easier, but the fruit, the fruit of being a Christian and trusting God is where it's at. In the waiting room, how much do we trust God? And do we even trust God? If we start to ask the question, start to ask God questions and we're losing our trust in our faith, that's when we need to go, oh my gosh, God, I trust you. I don't know what's happening here. I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. And I'm only telling you that because I've had to do that in my own life so many times. I forgot to show you guys a really cool picture, actually. (laughs) I'm going to go back to um, in the last point. I want you to put the slide up the picture, because my husband's really going to appreciate this. So there's this truck. This isn't your truck, your exact truck. It's very similar. So Monday night, my husband comes home with a truck that looks almost identical to this. And he traded in the car that I really liked that he had, and he came home with this. And we didn't talk about it, and I didn't know. And I was very surprised. Um... And I wasn't very nice about it. And I had invited his friends to come over and make dinner, and he didn't show up for it because he was buying a truck. And so layers of mad, just layers. Like, I'm mad on this level and this level and this level. And then he's like, fine then, I'm going to leave. I'm like, you should leave. Yeah, that's a good idea. Bye. And he goes to leave, except there was a broken light on the driveway. So he started fixing that because we call him Dr. Doodle because he likes to doodle and fix things around the property. So instead of leaving, he doodled and fixed things. And I was so mad. I wouldn't even step five foot within this truck. It's parked outside. I didn't even want to see it. I was like, can you park on the other side of the house? I don't have to see it. The kids are like, mom, look at dad's new truck. It's so cool. Cool. I was so mad. And now talking about it, I don't even know I was so mad. I just probably just because I'm a planner and I didn't know. And so then I'm driving to work two days later, still mad. And this car pulls in front of me. It's basically identical to your car, right? Your truck, babe? Rims, everything. I think we even have the Z71. And this is on the license plate. God has it. God has it. And I'm like, thanks God for rebuking me. Again, I think God in heaven just sits up there and laughs at me and rebukes me all the time. He has so much fun with me because I do things and he rebukes me and then I laugh and I'm like, dang it. So in front of everybody here, I'm sorry for being mad at you for buying a truck without me knowing because God has it. God has it. How much do we trust God and our husbands? How much do we trust God? There's there's a story in the Bible, Sarah and Abraham. And Sarah is so desperate to have children. There's a promise from God that that Abraham will be a father of nations, many children. And she is just not getting pregnant. And she is obviously very upset about it because she tells her husband to sleep with her maidservant, Hagar. Okay, the problem is, that's the first problem. The second problem is that 
Abraham listens. If your wife is giving you silly advice in that category of 10% psycho men, don't listen, right, Pastor Tim? Like, don't listen. Because what happens is, of course, the maidservant gets pregnant and they have a baby and they call him Ishmael. And Ishmael means wild donkey. Oh my gosh. And you'll see, to this day, the descendants of Ishmael is the Muslim nations, is the, the people causing war and conflict to this day. But then God fulfills the initial promise and Sarah gets naturally pregnant with Abraham, her husband, and they birth Isaac. And he means laughter. And to this day, the descendants of Isaac, laughter, are the Christians, are the believers, are the Jesus descendants, amen? But what happens when we take matters into our own hands, men and women, we take matters in our, our own hands and we cannot trust God enough. So we make a plan ourselves. We get a little jezzy belly, we get a little controlling, decide what needs to happen and we make it happen ourselves because we're in a room of smart people. I'm sure a lot of you can make something happen. I know I can make something happen if I want it, but we have to be so careful, especially if you're the planner type. Be so careful not to take matters into our own hands when God is asking us to trust Him. When God is asking us to trust Him with His timing, His plan, His purposes, His destiny, His calling. If I didn't trust God with ministry, if I didn't trust God with the timing of having children, I would have destroyed my children if I had had them any earlier. I mean, I'm doing pretty good now, like they're pretty awesome kids, but I wasn't ready. I would have destroyed, if I became a campus pastor before I did, I, that campus wouldn't be open anymore probably. <laughs> but I'm telling you, because of God's timing, He has perfect time, a certain time. A certain time is the perfect timing of God. A certain time, are we willing to push forward, press ahead, believe, stand, trust the will of God so that we can have a certain time, the perfect time of God happen in our life. Amen. Why don't we stand to our feet? We're going to pray. If you're in this place and, and you are waiting on God, you are in God's waiting room and that waiting room is annoying and there's people there and things there and it doesn't feel nice and you're ready for the waiting room season to be over. You're ready for your appointment with God. I want you to lift your hand. I wanna pray for you. And this prayer isn't so that something changes when you walk out the door. This prayer is so that something changes in you. Let's be obedient doers of the word of God so that God can get the miracle to us that he's trying to get to us. All across this place, if that's you and you are waiting on God for that miracle, keep your hand lifted. This is the scripture. I wanna read Psalm 27, 13. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I wanna pray for everyone here who's waiting on something from God. I thank you, Lord, for your plan. I thank you, God, for your purpose, your design. I thank you, Lord, for your perfect will, your perfect timing. Right now, I come against any spirit of confusion, any spirit of disheartened, be, being disheartened 
I pray, Lord, right now that you would give people visions, that you would speak to them, that you would give them wisdom in this season of waiting. Lord, I pray right now for those Kairos moments that when you speak, we listen and we act. God, I pray right now that anyone here who is questioning God, I pray for a new belief, a new trust, a new belief, a renewed belief that every day is new, that you have given us this day to do a reset in our mind and our spirit, God. I pray for hope. I pray right now that hope is restored in situations that may seem lost, in desires that may seem lost. I pray a renewal of hope in the name of Jesus. And I see for the Molchanoffs. Thank you, Jesus, for Heather and Daniel. I see a renewed hope in the calling that God has for you. That in the, the season of waiting, that God has done something particularly special. And I think you already know what I'm talking about. I don't know what it is, but I think you know that it's something particularly special that God has done in the time of waiting in the season that may seem frustrating and confusing, that God has been there the entire time, that God has been using you guys in ways that you, do, you don't even know, you didn't even mean to, that God is using you guys for His kingdom in such a powerful and a big way. You guys are big people. You are big faith people. You ask God for big things. And the fruit of that is a big life. And I thank you, Lord, for the Molchanoffs, that their life is, is full of opportunity for business and provision and full of opportunity for ministry and seeing people saved and set free, that they are a dynamic duo for your kingdom and even more so their kids and their family. A dynamic force to be reckoned with is what I see for the Molchanoff family. And that God's gonna give you opportunities that you didn't even ask for. You've been asking God for things and they're gonna show up as opportunities that look different than what you thought, but they're God opportunities. And my encouragement to you is to take advantage of the Kairos moments. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. We're gonna do one last thing, and that is to take the opportunity and the moment to let anyone here who wants a relationship with Jesus, this is your Kairos moment. I'm telling you, my life would not be what it is, the joy that I get to live, the honor that I get to live, to be doing what I'm doing and have the family that I have. I'm telling you, if I would have not gotten saved, my life would look so, so different. And I don't wanna get in the details of that, but trust me. Um, if everyone can close your eyes and bow your heads right now, if you're here and you wanna surrender your life to God, I want you to lift your hand and give me a little wave. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, beautiful. Thank you for lifting your hands. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in this place. Thank you, Lord, for salvation. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing. I have, see another hand up here. Thank you. Thank you, God. Come on, we can give them a clap. A couple hands. If you're here and you didn't raise your hand, your opportunity's not gone. You can still come to the front after service and someone will pray with you. But why don't we all pray together as we have a couple hands lifted, a few hands lifted in the first service. This is why we do what we do so people can have a relationship with Jesus. Come on, let's pray together. Dear God,
I thank you for my salvation. I thank you for what you're doing in my life. I pray that you speak to me. I pray that you're with me. I surrender everything to you. I pray that you forgive me of my sins. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.